Upon receiving a cancer diagnosis, the patient typically faces many challenges, including feeling confused, overwhelmed, and alone. All of them are emotionally draining. The gaps between the guidance, emotional support, and education that is needed and what one actually receives can be huge. This podcast fills those gaps. My name is Talia Dendi, and this is Navigating Cancer Together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Preparing for the End of Life. Our special guest speaker today is Leanne Nolan. Leanne is a former school teacher turned yoga instructor. She is a death doula and educator, as well as a plant medicine advocate. She believes that natural psychedelic plant medicines and their synthetic relatives hold vast potential as tools for improving health and wellness. And she is especially interested in their benefits for end-of-life anxiety. Leanne is an end-of-life doula. Welcome, Leanne. I've been looking forward to this. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You're, you're very welcome. Leanne, why don't we get started with you just giving us a, a little bit about your background and what led you to the work that you're doing today? So hi everyone, my name is Leanne. I am originally from Ireland. I am currently living in Portland, Oregon. And as was mentioned, I was a school teacher for many years, not that many years, but four years. Um, and I got into that for all the wrong reasons, if I'm quite honest. Um, like I think a lot of people end up doing things maybe for reasons other than what they feel intuitively that they should be doing. So due to just life, life circumstances, I ended up leaving my teaching career and moving to the US. And like any big change in any of our lives that can bring up a lot of existential questions. <laughs> and for me, uh, I just started to kind of follow breadcrumbs along the way and 2020 arrived and our, our whole society's life changed. If you hadn't experienced any change before that, you certainly have now. And I also lost my grandmother at the end of 2019. So I'm from Ireland, as I mentioned, I wasn't able to make it home for her funeral, which was a big deal at the time because everyone goes to everyone's funeral. It's a social event in Ireland. It really is a celebration of life. And the guilt started to eat me up so much it just 
was, wasn't leaving me. I, I wasn't able to go home out of my hands. I actually had my green card interview that day of the day of her funeral. So it wasn't as though anyone was putting this guilt on me or anything. It was just my own and all the tools that I had in my toolbox, my yoga practice, my meditation practice, none of these things seemed to be helping me. There was just something deeper rooted that I, I wanted to get to the bottom of. And that's where I found myself um, by kind of accident, even though happy accident, reading a book all about psychedelics. <laughs> I had no interest in psychedelics at all prior to this. I was under the impression that they were just for partying. I, I didn't just didn't know anything about them. But after reading that book, it was a Ram Dass book, if anybody is um, familiar with Ram Dass, his first book, Be Here Now. And I got curious and I just wanted to see if what, what the words in the page were, were true. And on the 1st of February, 2020, right before COVID really kicked off, I had my first psychedelic experience. And I went into it with the intention to help alleviate that guilt that had been building and building. And uh, as I mentioned, I'm also a yoga teacher. I was deep into my yoga journey, trying to understand these texts and these scriptures. And there was just something I wasn't fully understanding. So my intention for that trip was I would like help whoever I was giving this intention to I wasn't quite sure but I was like I would like help with this guilt and I would also like help understanding this yoga journey like what is it all really about and long long story short <laughs> that that first experience was just completely life-changing for me not only did it help alleviate that guilt I felt like I had a relationship with my grandmother that I could never have had with her while she was alive because she was a very dogmatic Catholic Irish grandmother the stereotype <laughs> that you may have in your mind very much was her and I just felt like we understood each other much more after she had left her body and that was the beginning of a huge exploration for me into really wanting to understand these potent medicines more, uh, not as something I had been conditioned to think as something that was evil or bad, but as an actual healing tool that can help us with many aspects of our life. And then I, um, I felt like I understood death in a whole different way. I, I, I just opened up a complete new avenue for me to feel like I could have a relationship with people after they were they were dead because I'd lost my own father when I was young I'd lost aunts and uncles and, and many people in my life but I was closed off to the idea that there was anything after this life I just was because I wasn't encouraged in my own upbringing to question these things for myself to question what happens after we die I was just told what happens after we die I I didn't resonate with me personally so that the the plant medicine was was a whole new way of thinking so that's that's where I kind of am and after that I did a death doula training met other people who had similar similar ways of thinking who are much more experienced in this field than I was and just keep on meeting these amazing people like yourself and you know things just really seems to gravitate towards uh this this um this direction if, if any of that made sense hopefully it did but <laughs> absolutely yeah thank you for sharing that and all I can say is wow it, it's so interesting how we are all led to the work that we do and to our purpose and um it, it it's not always a straight line it's not always linear you have to go through all these different things 
So thank you. Thank you for sharing your experience with that. I do have one. I have many questions, but the first question that I have is I've heard several different terms used for the kind of work that you do. Uh, end of life doula, death doula. Number one, what do you prefer? And number two, is there a difference between those different terms? Um, I, I, I like to say death doula because I don't like to hide the fact that we all do die, that I don't want to have death be this word that we are afraid to say. Um, so I like the term death doula. I like the term end of life doula too. People also go by death midwife. And I do believe that they're all similar, but each individual is bringing their own individual take to that job position whatever it is everyone has their own take to it there's no one size fits all I think you could say for this I don't I'm lacking words here like I think it is a calling I mean I don't think anyone's going to be getting into this <laughs> this line of work unless there's something in you pulling you towards it you know uh, that's all I can say if you're going to be an end of life or a death doula you're not going to do it because somebody else told you to do it it has to be a felt uh, decision you've made yourself so yeah I think there's there's lots of different terms but they all pretty much mean the same thing and it is really to just support people at the end of life which can happen at any point of life we are all going to die not one of us is going to get out of this life alive so I think we can all start thinking about this at any stage of our life um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm coming more so from as to having these conversations just with anybody and anyone who will listen to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I agree, Leanne, it, it, it definitely has to be a calling. Um, I don't see just random people doing this kind of work because it is so sacred. There's so much involved and you really have to, um, number one, be in tune with yourself and really, really care about other people. So you prefer the term deaf doula. Exactly what is a deaf doula? What do you do as a deaf doula? Yeah, so a deaf doula or end of life doula is somebody who is a holistic support at the end of life. I'm not personally medically trained in any capacity. I really am there as an advocate for the person to help them make decisions to help them plan a ritual like Trina, I loved your um, introduction there. I think that's beautiful what you're doing. And I'm also on a similar, just trying to help ease this, this transition as, as much as possible for people. And that is a very individual thing. And especially just personally coming from Ireland, um, death is very much a religious event there. But for a lot of people, death isn't necessarily a religious event. You know, people are coming from all walks of life. We are all going to die. We all have different beliefs. So I really want to allow that to be an open dialogue too. And for everyone's belief, no matter if there's none or if there's a strong faith to be just that for them and not trying to convince anybody that it should be done this way or that they can't take some sovereignty back because that's what I believe we should all have sovereignty at the end of life to make our own decisions of how we'd like to, like it to go. I, I love that. And I think that that's so important because throughout our lives, we're told so many different things about how we should be, how we should live, what we should do. And it's very important to take that control back, especially as you're transitioning you know, have some say, take some of the stress off of your loved ones and, and really articulate what it is that you, you want for yourself. 
-hmm. So thank you for explaining that. In some of our previous talks, um, you told me about die before you die. For example, where does that philosophy come from and how do you want to do it? So what is die before you die? <laughs> this is a question. This was what I was talking about when I was like going into this first experience with the psychedelics. And I had been, like I said, reading this yoga stuff and there was a lot of these concepts like not, not exactly worded die before you die, but I am a big fan of the, um, I guess you could call him philosopher, Eckhart Tolle, if anyone of you here is familiar with his work, he mentions this concept of die before you die. And I used to be saying, what on earth does he mean by that? How could you possibly die before you die? What does this mean? And I have questioned this a long time at this point. I started questioning life, death stuff after my dad died. I was like, what is the point of life if we just die? This was a big question for me. So the idea of dying before you die really means that in any given moment, any given moment, we can die to the idea of who we think we are or who we think or how we think things should be. We can die to the ego's grasp of our, our like life because our ego is there constantly telling us no you should be this you should be doing this you could have done that better the regrets the everything that's the egos trying to keep us safe in a way but we don't have to constantly believe in that voice in our head we can die to that <laughs> mm -hmm. we can say I hear you but actually I'm just going to be present in this moment and allow things to happen exactly as they happen loosening the need for control which i think really ties into our society's fear of death we want control of everything but we don't have control of death it has its own agenda so just that idea of dying to anything we think we should be doing outside of actually what's happening and that's very freeing and that's kind of the philosophy of yoga to you know the very first yoga sutra there's a text called the yoga sutras the very first one is now the exposition of yoga is taking place like right now we can do yoga can't wait for the future to do it we can do it now there's nothing to be done in the future it has to be done now and then every other sutra is trying to explain that one but really the present moment is so important and we really don't give it the credit it deserves because we are very much often in the past or the future thinking and that's just our conditioning that's the condition of being a human <laughs> um so to die before you die is to just die to those thoughts we can be anyone in the present moment we can just be ourselves and that's the biggest gift i think death can give us is to just be ourselves most authentic version of ourselves i i really like that and it's so important because being present is one of the hardest things that we can do <laughs> because there's so many different things going on. There's so many different images and so many different um, theories and just information transferring all the time. So being present is, is very important, but it is hard to do. And mm -hmm. so just having different techniques and things like that in place to make that a little bit easier is very critical. Mm -hmm. And then also letting go of control. Oh my goodness. That is, that is very freeing, but hard to do as well. <laughs> so I really like that philosophy. Um, 
The other question that I have for you is, does the idea of accepting and facing your death while you're still alive give you freedom and permission to really like to live your life in the here and now? You touched on that a little bit in what you just said. Is there more that you would like to add to that? I, I do think that that is the case. And like you said, it's not like you can just be present all the time. It's actually a skill. Well, you can. That's the skill we're trying to practice. But it is that. It's a skill set like any other thing that we can practice in our life. It takes practice. And it can feel very mundane when you start trying to be present, like just present, drinking your water not thinking about when you're going to wash your glass or what you're going to make for dinner. When you start to be aware of your thoughts and how much they drive your present moment, you'd, it's, it's, it can be comical sometimes to listen to where your mind drags you or the thoughts that just appear totally uninvited. And we identify so much with these thoughts that come, but when we are aware that we actually didn't invite them, they're not who we are. They just come <laughs> mm -hmm. and we don't always have, we don't have to take them for truth. They're not, most of the time they're not true. Like I'm sure people can resonate with that. <laughs> the mind has its, has its life of its own, literally. So, oh, I'm reading The Power Now, my favorite book. Sorry, I just saw a comment there. It's an amazing <laughs> book. I love, I love that book. And it's true. It's a practice. And yoga is a practice. And meditation is a practice. Even being a doctor is a practice. They call it a practice. They, you know, it's not that they've, ex, they're not, ex, they are experts, but they haven't perfected anything. Everything is always a practice. That's life. So I do think the more tools you have, the easier it is. And I believe that can be a knock on then to when we all reach the end of our life. No matter how good we are, we're going to have a little bit of fear. This is a huge unknown. I use my grandmother as an example. She, she planned her death to the T. She made, she was 94 years old. She made her outfit for the end of her life. She made sure that she got her last confessions the day she died. But yet she was terrified to die. And this was what really got me thinking. I was like, I wonder what she was so afraid of when she had really prepared so much and she had prayed so much and she'd asked for so much forgiveness. It got me thinking, is it really ourselves that we face at the end? Because she, she was a very Catholic woman, but she didn't always practice what she preached. She wasn't always that kind to people in her life, you know? So, and that, that's not me being a bad mouthing her. It's just the truth. We, we talk about her a lot, you know? She, she is a good example of, how you, you you need to practice if you're going to be a, a a catholic you can't just be mean to people and expect forgiveness then i believe that anyway so that, yeah i think the more we can practice being present it will help us with that those last few days months weeks years with just living life we, we are still alive until we take that last breath we are still alive, yes. And a part of being alive is being present and being able to center yourself and focus on what's right in front of you. Mm -hmm. So you touched on why people, well, that your grandmother was afraid of dying. Give us a little bit more insight on why you think many people are afraid of dying. Because it's unknown. I, I mean, I think that's just the answer. It's unknown, no matter what anybody tells you, whatever religious institute or spiritual practice tell you, we still don't really know. 
we can have a good idea. We, we can have a, a fairly good idea, but I'm sure when it does come, if we know we're going to die, the questions are going to be there. What really comes after this life? And I think that's something we should be encouraged to contemplate while we're alive. Because why not? Why not think about it? Is this it or is it not? Even though we don't know, it's still a really interesting question. Because life can be very mundane sometimes <laughs> if we don't think about the unknowns. Because really, everything past this present moment is unknown. I can have my whole day planned exactly how I think it's going to go, but something completely unknown can happen and change everything. And that's what death really is. It's a change. It's a complete change for if we lose somebody we love, our whole lives change. When we die, our, our, certainly our life is whatever comes next, it's going to be different. So death is change. And I don't think we honor change enough in our Western society because we, a lot of mini deaths happen along the way. Mm -hmm. It's not just the death of a body. It's the death of a job or a relationship or life as we thought it was going to be pre-COVID. We've all been through this huge change. And I think we don't honor that. And what I mean by that is we're in a system, unfortunately, that expects us to just power through and not give us any time to grieve. Mm -hmm. And grieving is so important. It's, it's love. Great to grieve is to love, right? That's We grieve because we love. And I think we need to start incorporating that more and more into systems and life and allowing for the cycles of our human humanness to to happen i really like how you said death is change because that is a very simple way to look at it it takes out all of the other stuff you know all of the fear and everything like that associated with with death so just looking at it as death is change just hearing that really makes me think about it differently. And unfortunately, we hear terms like change is hard, change is this, change is scary. And that word is a very, change is powerful, but there's so much fear associated with it as well. So even when you say death is change, there it's simple. It's a simple way to put it, but there's still a lot of fear associated with that statement as well, just because, like you said, how Western society thinks of change. So mm -hmm. thank you so much for touching on that. So how can we more readily accept our death with courage? And is this like an ongoing, ongoing daily practice like yoga or meditation? Are those some things that we can, can do? Yeah, I think... I mean, I don't think everyone should be thinking about it all the time because that doesn't leave room for life, but definitely contemplating it in a safe environment in these kind of groups, discussing what you think, having open dialogue about it, that can be so freeing and also accepting, like you just mentioned, that we are impermanent beings. We were never meant to think that this is a permanent solution, like that life was going to live where we were going to live forever in this version of ourselves anyway. So to contemplate the impermanence of everything is a really powerful practice. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it again is that freeing liberation of like, oh yeah, nothing stays the same. No matter how much I try and grasp it, you can't hold water, you can't hold your breath. It's going to change. Like it's, every breath is new, every out breath is new. 
there, there's no two the same, even though it's thankfully we don't have to think about breathing because that would be exhausting. But that is a thing we can do always is be a, take a very conscious breath in and out. Those, your breath is your life force. It's your pranayama. It's literally the thing keeping us alive all the time. So it is an anchor into the present moment. Anytime you can take deep breaths in and out, you are present. It's very difficult to actually think if you're concentrating fully on your breath. Absolutely. And just having those breathing techniques is so important as well. Just being able to get re-centered. And mm -hmm. it's something we all do, but people don't have to know that you're doing it to kind of calm yourself, get re-centered, clear your mind. You can just take a, a couple of seconds and just get yourself back together. So those breathing techniques are very handy. I use them myself. Mm -hmm. So how do you work with people who are terminally ill? Mm -hmm. So right now, I just have a couple of, I don't like to say clients, just a couple of people who I'm, I'm literally just being there as a soundboard. I am there virtually right now. I also started this during COVID, started my journey as a death doula during COVID. So yeah, I'm, I'm just being a support for people and allowing people to voice things that maybe aren't necessarily out there and open in normal conversations, like the more esoteric things or really allowing people to explore what their death is going to be for them and just helping them plan it. Like just one man, he's got stage four liver cancer and he's actually feels like he's already died. He had a NDA, like a near death experience before in his life. And he also has had psychedelic experiences in his life. And he really, he, he's helping me as much as I feel like I'm helping him understand all this. That's the beauty of this. We always help each other. But it seems like a very paralleled experience from from what I'm hearing from him anyway, um, which just fascinates me. And there's all these ancient practices like the Tibetan Book of the Dead. You know, they talk about the the journey after this life. And it seems to be very much like something we can experience with the help of our plant medicine allies. You know, they can kind of show us Now, this is just my personal opinion backed up by a lot of other people's perception of it. But that's what I think the beauty of the plant medicines is, is that it can give you that felt sense of, oh, this, this life isn't, it's not maybe the end, you know? <laughs> and that there's, there's more, more, always more to each present moment that meets the eye as well. That's, that's the, the beauty of the present moment. There's, there's always something interesting when you're in it. That's so true. There, there's always something going on and mm -hmm. it, it, it just takes being able to get centered and acknowledge those things. So, so important. I want to come back to the plant medicine in a minute, but you mentioned something that you started your, your can, I was going to say cancer doula, death doula um, business during COVID. Can you tell us a little bit about how that worked out for you? Like, was it, was it a tough process doing co during COVID? How did that go? Um, it doesn't feel like it was a tough process because it just feels like I've had, I don't mean no choice, but it's just happening so kind of organically. I feel like there's such a need for us to be having these conversations that death has been just totally eliminated from anybody who's not experiencing it. People don't know how to talk about 
death openly. We don't know how to approach it with people who have, who have lost people who are going through an illness or a diagnosis. I think we are just, I, I, I don't mean to be so blunt, but I do think as a society, we're not, we're not having the conversations that need to be have and they're healing conversations. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's just kind of happened organically. And like I said, I just kind of keep meeting the right people who are guiding me and helping me. And it's, it's a learning curve for sure, because death isn't really the thing everyone wants to be talking about, <laughs> but it's, I believe it's vital. And I absolutely know there's no going back for me. I'm not just going to be going back to a nine to five job I hate. And I think that's the beauty of contemplating death. It helps you contemplate your life and what you want to be doing here with the time you have. I don't know how much time I have. I spent long enough wallowing in thinking I wasn't worthy of anything just because I didn't fit into a system that didn't suit me you know, because uh, Ireland, the system is, is also, I mean, flawed everywhere, I think, you know, it's a little bit less um, money, money driven, but it's, it's, it's still a Western society. So it's, it's an ongoing process. I'm just figuring it out day by day and meeting all the right people and having the right conversations. And I always leave with my cup filled. I always feel like these conversations are well beyond surface level <laughs> you yeah. kind of go deep when you you start talking about death with people so absolutely i agree i agree with everything that you said it's like once you you get out there and you start knowing that you have the ability and the capacity to help other people you don't want to look back and it's like this is what i'm supposed to be doing so and it is a process you every day you're learning Every day you're learning something new about, you know, how you can do something differently or, hey, there's this new thing that I can implement into the different ways that I help people. So great work. Thank you for everything that you do. Before we move on to the next couple of questions, I want to get a little bit more information about the plant medicine um, and how you use that in your practice. Yeah, well, right now, I, I mean, it's all kind of still illegal. <laughs> so it's, it's been interesting, because I really feel strongly that these medicines want to help us. Like, our ancestors knew the power of plant medicines. And I'm not just talking about psychoactive plant medicines here. I'm talking mm -hmm. about plants like nature, sitting yeah. with trees your plants, <laughs> whatever it is. But obviously we are talking about psychedelics in a sense here and how they can help with the end of life. And again, I'm just being an advocate for them. I'm just openly talking about them in situations where I know it's not legal to talk about. Like I'm here on a green card. If I was probably be deported if I was caught talking about this as openly as I am, but I really don't care. Like I personally sh shipped home some mushrooms I grew myself and I did a journey with my 71 year old mother while I was home in Ireland. And it was so clarifying because she's reaching the end of her life just because she's getting older. And she's not, she wasn't particularly afraid to die but she was afraid of the suffering. She was afraid to suffer. And like what the plants showed her was that there's nothing to fear she just was shown that she was shown her death <laughs> she was you know she she told me she was like if you hadn't reminded me to breathe I would have been really happy at times to just 
be gone. She was like, it was, it was as good as they say. And I was like, well, that's good. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you kept breathing, but I'm glad you know that. I'm glad you have that felt sense now. And I think everybody deserves that. Rick Doblin, yeah. Uh, sorry, seeing the comment there. He's <laughs> awesome. Um, I just, I, I, I'm not saying everybody has to do psychedelics. I absolutely know that we can get to these altered states of consciousness through natural means like breath work, yoga, meditation, all of that. But we're in a bit of a crisis right now. Not everybody has 10 or 20 years to dedicate to these practices. And I think that's where the plant medicines are coming in. And that's why they have reappeared. Like this research was started in the 60s. You know, it was gaining momentum. And then unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know. I don't think anything happens by mistake, really. But it all happened the way it happened. And a lot of the research just got pushed back. And it was really showing huge potential for not just end of life, mental health, many, many aspects. It was showing huge benefits for people. And then, of course, this is a whole other day's conversation, but the society, the way it is right now, isn't going to function if everybody is following their heart and if everybody is doing what they feel like they should intuitively be doing. They need people to do their dirty work for them. So I believe that's partly the reason it was pushed underground. But now we're seeing a resurgence and I really do believe that it could potentially change the whole trajectory of, of life, death, it all for people. I, I, I believe that. And that's, that's just where I stand with it. I think there, there are allies. They want us to understand that we're all connected. We're all one. They don't want us just to read about that. They want us to understand that for ourselves, to have mm -hmm. that felt sense ourselves. And for some people, they get there much easier. Some people need the help in hand. Absolutely. And thank you so much for going into a little bit more detail about that, because I know the audience may have more questions about that. So thank you. So Leanne, before we end today, I like to ask my guests these two questions. And the first question is, what is something that you've learned in life that you would like to share with the audience? All right, well, I have learned that uh, the present moment, <laughs> like this one right now is life. This is life. Life doesn't happen in the future. The past has gone. The phrase be here now, Ram Das, my favorite teacher, his phrase, be here now, if you can have that as your only mantra in life, and if you can be present in the moment, that's living. That, mm -hmm. that's, that's what life is all about. It's to live it. There's no greater purpose. It's just to live it in each single moment. And then the things that are going to happen will happen in each moment as they come. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so true. So true. Be where your feet are. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And finally, what's next for you? Mm, well, I am moving to California. <laughs> oh, wow. So I guess that's next. Yeah, we are, our whole lives were shaken like everybody else's during the pandemic. We were in the entertainment industry and that is reopening now. So my husband is a production manager. We're moving to Laguna. Well, he's there right now. He is in Laguna Beach and I am hoping, hoping to just continue to create a community and Hopefully that it can be both now virtually and in person now that maybe we are slightly coming back to in-person 
events. I'm not too sure, but um, yeah, that's my next move is California and hoping to continue to learn and to meet amazing people and to enjoy life while I'm alive and to recognize how cool it is to be alive. Mm-hmm. I forget that sometimes. <laughs> yes, and that's so true with everything going on. Some days that is hard to remember. <laughs> so thank you for, for reminding us. <laughs> And before we wrap up, Leanne, if people want to get in touch with you, if they have further questions, where can they find you? Yeah, um, I'm kind of mostly on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Leanne Nolan underscore yoga. I also have a website, www.leannolan.com. And I am happy to have conversations with people. I have one-on-one completely free calls just to explore this to see if I can help in any way I can I really do just want to help people in whatever way that is it's individual to each person but I really do believe that the secret to life is to remember we're going to die and that right now we're alive and that's it (laughs) I love that Thank you so much, Leanne. It was a pleasure having you as a guest. Thank you for educating us and giving us some insight about end of life and what a deaf doula is and how you can help, you know, us through this transition, this journey. So it's been a pleasure and thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. I hope this episode filled you with hope, inspiration, and information. If you enjoyed the content and found it helpful, please leave a review, rating, and subscribe to the show. It will help others find us so we can share this very important information. Thank you so much for tuning in. I truly appreciate your support and join us for the next episode. Until then, let's keep navigating cancer together. Thank you.